Today on Locked on Rockies, we've been kind of negative around here of late, but there are some areas to be excited about for the Colorado Rockies in 2024. Let's talk about that. And I ask, would you rather see great pitching or great offense in 2024 for the Rockies? You are Locked on Rockies, your daily Colorado Rockies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, Rockies fans. Welcome into the Locked On Rockies podcast for today, the third day of January in the year 2024. I'm your host of the Locked On Rockies podcast, Paul Holden, your Rockies fan extraordinaire. Been following this team my entire life and been bringing you your daily Colorado Rockies talk right here on the Locked On Podcast Network for over three seasons now. We are free and streaming on your favorite streaming services and also available on the Locked On Rockies YouTube channel where you can be part of the show and help the show out with your subscriptions, your comments, your likes, all that good stuff all helps the show. Really, really do appreciate you folks for tuning in and making us your first listen of the day. Today on Locked On Rockies, we're going to talk about positive storylines for the Colorado Rockies. As uh, uh, We've been a little heated of late. We've been a little critical, uh, understandably so, necessarily so, uh, for in the case of the Colorado Rockies. But let's, let's talk about some areas where the Rockies actually have some great potential. And, and one key area, I think, and we've talked a little bit about it before, but when it comes to what I think is going to be one of the most impressive or hopefully the thing that has the most potential for the Colorado Rockies, we'll talk about that coming up here as well as uh, asking next year. I'm focused on next year in 2024. Is it more important for you as a Rockies fan to see good pitching or good offense? And a quick note there from Purple Row uh, on, on a really good take on the Helton Hall of Fame process that I really like. Uh, so we'll dive into that as well. Hey, uh, also, you got a little bit of time left here to get your questions in ahead of our recording with Locked On MLB Prospects. If you got questions about the farm system, uh, make sure that you ask uh, here on X or in the comments uh, below of this video. Okay, uh, Rockies talk. Lots to get to uh, to dive into, at least on my brain today. Before we dive into everything, however, got to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when you place a $5 money line bet. That's $150 at FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right, uh, so here's here's the deal. I've been, we've been, we've been negative. We've been realistic. We've been honest about the Colorado Rockies. We have. We've talked about stuff we're worried about. We've talked about our concerns. I want to highlight some things that I think the Rockies are going to do well next year. And one area in particular, and it's one that I've, I've really harped as being one of the most important parts of the new era of baseball. One area I think we're going to look to see the look and see improvement from the Rockies in next year is going to be stolen bases. It's really exciting to me that there are three 20 base uh, stealers, three players who can steal 20 bases on the Rockies right now. Mixed in with the fact that Maybe they might, you know, who knows if they can get a little more aggressive with some of these other young guys and see what they do. But the Rockies were a team that didn't steal a lot of bases. One of the the lowest teams in baseball, only three people with double digit steals uh, on the season and the rest with uh, leading with five. And surprisingly enough, Charlie Blackman having four. So there were multiple Rockies who didn't steal a base, multiple Rockies with only one stolen base. Steals and uh, aren't, aren't something the Rockies do a lot 
But now I think that mentality changes. When you're going into the spring as the Colorado Rockies this year, you're now going in with the mindset and the philosophy of, we have Nolan Jones, Brenton Doyle, and Ezekiel Tovar. Let's make them more aggressive on the bases. Now, those are the three players with double digits. Uh, the most bases stolen go to Brenton Doyle at 22, Nolan Jones at 20, and Ezekiel Tovar at 11. So when you're going into the spring now, those the, that has to be a, an, a complete added factor into the approach of what you want to do. And I think would add a lot of ni a nice layer of, of depth and threat to this lineup. And when I say depth, I mean depth of ways the Rockies can score. There's been so many times where it feels like the Rockies are so station to station, so stuck and so dom and dominated by their ability or their or their strikeouts that this team really can't generate offense that much and, and, and doesn't generate a ton of offense and isn't hasn't wasn't much of an offensive force next year. Now base hits can be threatened by turning into doubles or, or or triples with the speed of these players. And if they're if players are able to get on base via the walk or singles, now the Rockies have three base stealing threats. That's a third of the lineup that you that the that uh the the opposition is going to have to consider when it comes to base stealing. And I'm hoping the Rockies are able to get uh, you know, decent base running and base stealing from the other guys too, even though I don't think speed is necessarily the strength of a lot of the players on the Rockies. They're not necessarily a very fast team as a whole, but they have fast players. And if the Rockies are better at stealing bases, I think that just shows also a more creative approach to offense, a different philosophy, using the players and all of their skills that they bring to you. If the Rockies don't steal bases and don't utilize the speed of Doyle, Jones, and Tovar, they are missing out on a, on a whole area, on a whole facet of their offense and on uh, of their impact. If they're not going to use that, they're going to fall further behind. However, I think we're going to see all of these, I, Nolan Jones is going to flirt, uh, going to if is with 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 the playing time and everything and, and the changes that are hopefully staying healthy. I don't think it's crazy that Nolan Jones finishes the year with twenty five stolen bases. With Brenton Doyle immediately stealing twenty two bags in in four hundred appearances, uh, in four hundred plate appearances or abs. I should say. I know those aren't the same, but you know what I'm saying. In in, in only in, in a small small sample amount of time. I don't think it's that crazy to think that he's someone that could flirt with, you know, can he go 25 plus? Can can the Rockies get enough of, out of him to to take advantage of, of of his speed and his ability to to, to make good jumps and, and get to a 25? Could he go to 30? I mean, 30 stolen bases would be monumental for a player for the Rockies. I mean, you, I can't even think of that ever. Let's, I mean... Let's see. Most stolen bases in a season by a Colorado Rockies player. Uh, 68. Willie. Willie Tavares was 68 stolen bases in 2008. And, I mean, it's hard to imagine uh, the Rockies getting even close to that. Uh, but just to add this threat, I think, is, is one thing that's going to make – the Rockies being using their speed and being able to be more aggressive on the base pass will make for a better offense. And because of that speed threat, I think the Rockies offense does have the potential to take this take steps forward and be more entertaining and more engaging. 
Another thing's uh, some other small that that's my big area that I think that that will be a positive increase for the Rockies this year. And, and you might just be sitting there, it's just, it's just stolen bases. It's a base ring. No, it, it it really really adds and and builds a level of of depth. I keep saying depth. It adds a oh, layer is the better way to say that. It adds another element to the offense. And clearly, as other teams shown, look at the Diamondbacks for a prime NL West example, have shown that base stealing and base running aggression can really jumpstart offenses. And if you're looking to boat race someone out of Coors Field, what better way to do it than being able to get, if these guys can get on base and then immediately putting pressure on, on, on opposing pitchers by putting themselves in scoring positions? This increase in, I think, abilities and and hopefully aggressiveness on the base paths are going to make the Rockies a better offense. I think that this team does have, I, I think this team is going to also be incredible defensively. I think potentially this team is going to be uh, overlooked when it comes to their defense because uh, of how most likely the season will go when it comes to wins and losses. But the Rockies infield is going to be incredibly entertaining when it comes to infield defense uh, with McMahon, Rogers, Tovar, and, and Tovar. I mean, that is that is gold all over or gold glove potential all over the place. So that so with that, those type of things and 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 that embrace of base stealing mixed with that defense. If if the base stealing can give your offense that slight edge and it's backed up by the 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 high caliber potential of this defense, the Rockies are going to steal some games. I, I do really firmly believe that. I think that there are a lot of players that that took last year on the chin that are looking at the that the perception of them and and the perception of the Rockies and they want to change it. I really hope that the Rockies are able to avoid the overworked bullpen because I think one thing we'd look back on is we'd be really impressed with this roster. We'd be really impressed with the guys on this team if the Rockies went through that uh, that stretch in the, in, in the second half of the season where they were losing games in the eighth inning like every night it felt like or bullpen was the you know the bullpen the the bullpen meltdown in the second half. We'd be sitting here and saying, wow, the Rockies win up against playoff teams in the second half of the season in the thick of playoff races, and they played very well and went toe-to-toe with some of the best in the league. So the potential is still there, but I think the two big areas that are going to be great successes or have potential for great success for the Rockies in 2024, base stealing, base running, and the defense overall. My question, though, for you as Rockies fans is in 2024, I know big picture, the focus is always pitching, pitching, pitching. But I, I'm curious, as a Rockies fan, when you're tuning in next year, are you going to be more encouraged by the Rockies having strong pitching or better offense? And I'll get to my answer here coming up in segment number two. Before we do that, though, got to tell you about some of the folks that help make this show possible, and that includes FanDuel. The NFL season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Yes, unfortunately, our beloved Broncos not making it to the postseason, but FanDuel's got you covered with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. You can do that on money lines you can do that on over-unders you can do that on the broncos you could do it on the avalanche you could do it on the denver nuggets you could bet on the college football playoff 
all the betting action available to you at fanduel.com slash locked on for that bonus bet offer 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose for new customers the app is super easy to use and there are many different ways to bet like live game same live same game parlays there's the new explore tab loaded with bets make a parlay in the parlay hub for the best way to find popular parlays and lots more so visit fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup a field goal fanduel official partner of the nfl this is the Locked On Rockies podcast for free and streaming on your favorite streaming services. That was, that was a tough little stretch there. And we're coming to you on the Locked On Rockies YouTube channel where you can be part of the show by subscribing. Let me know your thoughts in the Locked On Rockies YouTube comment section, whatever's on your mind when it comes to the Rockies. Hey, if you're on YouTube and you need more sports coverage, Locked On's got you covered there too because they got the first 24-7 national streaming sports Streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts, the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel uh, for sports. Uh, all right, uh, we are... Of course, the Locked On Rockies podcast. Thank you so much for your first listen, all that good stuff. So I asked this question, and it's a basic one, and it's a big picture one, and 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 it and it's but it, but I want you to actually sit here and consider it, and and consider the impacts, consider the long the longevity, consider what future it shapes for the Rockies, and it's the question of would you rather see great offense or great pitching this year? It says defense on the overlay. I'm, I'm honest, like I said in the first segment, pretty confident in the defense. And I ask this question because it's that's you always hear, get the pitching, get the pitching. What are we doing about the pitching? Who's going to pitch? Can they pitch? Will they pitch? How many? Who's going to fill the rotation? And those questions very valid, especially right now. Remember, zero dollars spent by the Colorado Rockies in free agency right now as they're facing a depleted starting rotation. But next year. I think it's more important for the Rockies to be better on offense. I, I really do. I, I, I think that the Rockies foundation, one of their things that they, of the uh, even though they suffer the identity crises that we've talked about, at its core, people believe that Colorado is a good offensive team. Why? Well, it's because of where they play. It's because of where their history and yada, yada, yada. It's much more important for the Rockies in 2024 to improve upon their offense. The offense is going to be the reason why the Rockies fight back in games. The offense is going to be the reason why Coors Field is a difficult place for opposing teams to come and play. Right now, I have bigger concerns with the offense overall. Because there's a lot of players that that we have to see what they're going, what their deal is in terms of offense as they develop and they're young, mixed with the fact that there's a pretty mixed bag of veteran offensive players on the Colorado Rockies. I'm really, I, I, as as much as we as as we know how much as he's important, I can't sit here and say I'm going to be all that impressed with a lack with another lackluster Ryan McMahon offensive season. I think the inconsistencies of Ryan McMahon's offense are a bigger deal 
than the current state of Kyle Freeland. And I say that because we know we Kyle Freeland has done his job enough. And 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 the the home run tick up concerns and the lack of velocity are of course issues with Kyle Freeland. But we also kind of know the Kyle Freeland. We know who that is. We're still trying to properly evaluate and understand Ryan McMahon. The streaks, the streakiness. And 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 I say that because it's that consistency. Kyle Freeland, we kind of know who you're, you're you're pretty positive that Kyle Freeland, more often than not, is gonna go six innings, probably gonna be around three to four runs, maybe. Home run, definitely a possibility, but someone that's gonna keep you in the game. Ryan McMahon, when it comes to offense, is a guy that's gonna go down on three strikes when the bases are loaded in a critical situation for the Rockies. And he's also the guy that's gonna hit 420 foot bombs in, in, in crucial moments for the Rockies. I need to see more from Ryan McMahon's offense than I need to see from any pitcher in the Rockies rotation right now. Because there's younger guys in the Rockies rotation that could benefit from a little bit more time and have honestly just been going through the grinder of being the back end of the Rockies rotation for about three seasons now with the rotation of young guys that they've thrown in there. And the Quantrill trade, uh, hey, if he's, he's a bounce-back guy, I mean, there's risk there. He it, that's basically all kind of sitting there and saying there's tremendous upside there. And if he performs more to the norm, then, well, you look and you say that matches his stats. I care way more about the Rockies scoring more runs this year. I care way more about the Rockies hitting more home runs this year. I care more about the Rockies increasing their offensive numbers across the board than I do about the pitching rotation. Because this offense is the is the bigger picture long term. You're going to have serious questions about this rotation. And in the second half of the season, we kind of are going to get the first look at the at, at, at I believe the front office's true vision for this current Rockies team. A rotation that has Marquez, Senzatella, Freeland, Gomber in it, and then you figure out the fifth. You got Cal Quantrill, you got your young guys, you who knows what you're going to do there. But they also are saying, I'm pretty positive in saying, these are the guys that we're sticking with. These are the guys of the future. And if they are, we need to see more from their offense. Because plain and simple, the Rockies can't be at the bottom when it comes to offense. They have to be a middle-of-the-road offense at least because of that pitching. So now you're going to sit there and say, well, then that means the pitching's the bigger deal. The pitching is the biggest curse and the bane of the Rockies organization to its core, yes. But it also isn't so bad when the offense is able to back you up, when the offense wins in the shootouts, when the offense wins helps you win the close games on the days that your pitcher steps up. It's more infuriating for me watching the Colorado Rockies spoil a Chris Flexen or Chase Anderson start. I know Flexen's not coming back to the Rockies, but... When those guys actually, because you have your your expectations are very low about those pitchers, when they go out and they give you a chance on the road, at home, it doesn't matter, and then the offense consistently falls flat on its face, that's the bigger problem. Major league pitchers are good enough to, uh, even the most mediocre ones, or in your, or doesn't matter what your personal power rankings are. Most major league pitchers are capable of keeping you in ball games and giving you enough. 
It's a matter of them working in tandem with the offense. It's a confidence thing. What You know what would be a nice boost for Kyle Freeland? Instead of him getting out of a jam and the offense going three up, three down, score a run. Back him up after he gives up a home run. You answer back with hitting a home run yourself. We'll learn and know so much more about the capabilities, the promise, the potential of the of the 2025 Colorado Rockies, the 2026 Colorado Rockies, if this team t- develops more on offense. And if they don't, then we then we grow even more concerned with the future. Because the Rockies were eventually going to have to deal with the reckoning of this rotation that they've loved for so long. Because, you know, when it comes whether it be injuries, whether it become to, you know, contracts ending, I mean, the Herman Herman Marquez era in Colorado was extended, but it wasn't extended by that long. And those extensions on these other pitchers are going to run out eventually. And you're going to eventually have to come up and and and, and make a, a a an evaluation of the Peter Lamberts uh, uh, and those type of pitchers when they're healthy and go from there. I think the most important thing for the Rockies to get back on track and for the best sign for things that, that are showing improvement for the Rockies in 2024 will be with its offense. I will be okay if the Rockies have a good offense and then unfortunately gets blown up by a pitching staff that's not that great. Why? Because the team is scoring more. Because the team is a bigger threat on offense. The Rockies have become painfully boring when it comes to an offensive team. And that's a bummer. Because they used to be really, really fun and really, really exciting. So I I ask you, in 2024, would you rather see great offense or great pitching? And which one do you think is more important for the future of the Rockies? Let me know in the comments. Let me know what uh, what your thoughts are. On that one. Hey, uh, to close out the show, uh, the Hall of Fame ballots are in. The tracking numbers for Todd Helton were looking worrisome, but pretty good. Uh, and uh, But regardless, I wanted to bring up a point that was made from uh, Purple Row uh, from, let's see, Renee Descartes here on Purple Row. I just want to make sure I had the right name. And it's about voting for vibes. Let's talk about that in segment number three. This is the Locked on Rockies podcast. We are your free and streaming Rockies podcast on your favorite streaming services, bringing you your daily Colorado Rockies talk right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Hey, your subscription to the Locked on Rockies YouTube channel. Best way to help the show. Really, really do appreciate it. And uh, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. So we're all anxiously waiting for the news about Todd Helton and unfortunately Matt Holiday not getting a lot of uh, recognition there uh, as well. But I wanted to read a little bit from Renee Descartes' piece from yesterday, Todd Helton and the Just Vibe Just Vibes Hall of Fame voting process here on Purple Row, and and and. The first part goes through and, and it really dives into everything. But but I wanted to the, the, these comments after breaking down all of the all of the narratives, all the stuff, they, they just really stu- stood out to me here from from Renee. And I, and I wanted to uh, to read some of it as well. All right. My focus is on Helton because he's the, uh, I'm sorry. I'm, blah, blah, blah. 
Okay, yeah. My focus is on Helton because he's the player I know best of those on the ballot. But he's also one example of a larger problem in the Hall of Fame voting process. A lack of clear methodology and explanation on the part of some, emphasized there in the piece, uh, baseball writers, BBWAA members. These voters are, after all, selecting those who will be inducted into one of the most elite institutions of sports. For sports writers to explain their thinking seems like a reasonable expectation on the part of fans. This then raises a question of consistency again. Consider what's known so far about Helton votes as an illustration. She, uh, the, Renee goes into uh, to, to, to uh, dive into the comments given by Will Graves, Tony Maserati, uh, Bill Ballard, and John Heyman about the Rocky, about their thoughts on, on not selecting Todd Helton. And, and they really just kind of just range. He's just like, there's uh, he, he's a great player. He couldn't just get there. He, he's there's no wow factor. And uh, it's just so nitpicky. From from the from the reception of it that that uh, Renee was looking at here, but I want to go back to what she says after this. In other words, this feels like the kind of capriciousness that happens when the assignment is graded without a rubric, and it's a bad practice because it moves the focus away from the objective accomplishments of the players to the subjective opinions of the writers themselves. To be clear, none of this is to say that every writer should have the same criteria. The differences in the, quali the qualities writers value make for important discussions, but those criteria should be objective and their expl explanation transparent. They, and And... and that's what I think is is super tough. I, I just don't think that there are really there hasn't especially with the dropping of Todd Helton this year. Like what? Like it, it really is like or or some people not voting for people and, and, and missing that that's their last year of eligibility. Like this is a really big deal. We treat it as a big deal. Well, I mean, mostly because it's a good off-season thing to keep the baseball conversations going. But this is a, a really, really tough Hall of Fame to get into. A very rigid one. And, and its history of getting in is very tough. And I, I just feel like the explanations from some have been lackluster. Because what I really liked going through... Uh, and, you know, Manny Randua has uh, he's a staunch Helton defender, always breaking down people uh, arguments. He was he was actually going in the comments on Twitter when people would hit him with stuff that that he was like, fair enough. Good point. That stuff is the way to have this type of conversation. But it's just the way that it's just it, it really has just come down to a lot of people unfamiliar with the body of work of Todd Helton. And I'm sorry, like. If you get the Hall of Fame vote, you need to do your due diligence. You need to do significant research. And, and, and they already know these players. They're baseball writers. They've been following the game. They These baseball writers have forgotten more about baseball than I'll ever know. I'll own up to that. I'm fine with that. But it's just so many times it feels like players, include, and this isn't just Todd, Todd Helton. Larry Walker went through the same thing. Every Rockies player is going to go through the same thing. But it just doesn't seem like the the appropriate amount of due diligence and the appropriate amount of care and focus and and attention are spent on each candidate. Because 
to just sit there and say there's no wow factor about Todd Helton when you look at his numbers and you look at the advanced metrics and he's better than Hall of Famers, when he's considered to be one of the best hitters of all time, when he's one of the best doubles hitters of all time, when he's really overall one of the best first basemen to ever step on the field. And yeah, Homer hats on. It, it's right here. It says Colorado Rockies. I host a Rockies podcast. I got Rockies stuff over. I'm a Rockies homer. I get that. But I'm also a guy that understands the importance of the stat in the conversation of uh, in sports. And for Todd Helton to consistently get knocked while also exceeding in statistical categories for them people on the road. I, I It just really drives me nuts. And, and I know it, you can't pay attention to everybody in the modern game, especially baseball. Right. You know, you don't know everybody. No one's let's be real. How many people in the national media are really going to talk about the Rockies once the season starts? Not a, nobody. They got their preview list. They got all the stuff, the prospects, and blah 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 blah. But the Rockies are going to are, are already an afterthought, and this makes the journey to the Hall that much harder because you have that bias that is baked into a lot of people, including sports writers, that scoff at the Rockies and scoff at the greatness. And that's what frustrates me about this process. That's what will be really disappointing if Todd doesn't make it this year. It's because the people dropped him off his ballots, and there's really no reason why. And there hasn't been a great explanation as to why. I'm not impressed when I read your lackluster ex explanations of Todd Helton barely missing out on, on it and, and because there's no wow factor or course Field or... Blah, blah, blah. It's a guy that for 17 years contributed at the highest level in one of the most uh, in one of the most uh, highly contested and high and, and most uh, lopsided times in baseball history in the steroid era. Mixed in with good postseason numbers in his limited time there. Good numbers on the road. I just am asking that. I, I just think that that vote carries a lot of weight in the sports world. And a lot of the, the, the justifications behind Todd Helton and other players has felt inadequate to me. And I, and I really think that you really got to go read more from uh, Renee Descartes piece on purple row uh, also highlights this very well breaks it down and uh, really had me thinking uh remember this is from uh purple row todd helton and the just vibes hall of fame voting process there's more than just vibes to vote on when it comes to the hall of fame folks that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on rockies we're going to be back on friday with a crossover episode with locked on mlb prospects don't miss out on that still got time uh when this episode posts it's not gonna be a lot of time but you're still gonna have time to get your answer uh, your questions submitted let me know in the comments section below let me know on uh x twitter lo rockies let me know what your thoughts are what you want to know about the farm system because uh, folks this has been today's episode of locked on rockies thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day go check out locked on mlb for your second listen or if you need more colorado sports coverage locked on broncos locked on avalanche locked on nuggets and locked on buffs got you covered there as well until next time i'm paul holden saying so long from the locked on rockies podcast